Obadiah, background to Edom. The book of Obadiah highlights the relationship between Edom and Israel and the animosity of Edom toward their brother. However, this is not the first time we read of such a strained relationship between these brotherly nations. In fact, the enmity of Edom toward Israel starts much further back in the book of Genesis with the brothers Esau and Jacob. In Genesis 25 verse 30, we have Esau referred to as Edom for the first time. And it was from Esau that this nation would develop. As so often happens, the children follow in the footsteps of their father. Likewise, the nation of Edom would display very similar characteristics to their father Esau. Before the brothers were even born, there was hostility. The record states in verse 22 that Rebekah's pregnancy was not easy. The children struggled together within her. The Hebrew word struggle is translated elsewhere as oppress such as in Judges chapter 10. Before their birth, there was a struggle between Esau and Jacob, a struggle which would continue down the generations. Rebecca wants to know the reason for this struggle. God's answer is a prophecy of the two boys and the two nations that would come from them. There would be two nations, two manner of people. One people would be stronger, the elder would serve the younger. What the scriptures are indicating to us is that the two boys would epitomise the two nations that would come from them. Whereas son twins are identical, these boys would be very different. Since the elder would serve the younger, it is a prophecy of the fact that Esau would serve Jacob. First, Esau is born, and followed by Jacob, who takes hold of the heel of his brother. Both the reference to the heel and the origins of the name Edom provide echoes back to Genesis 1-3. to Edom and Adam are from the same root word. They both refer to red earth. This is symbolic of the natural man and of human nature. Esau would be an epitome of all that is fleshly, in contrast to Jacob, of whom God would make his peculiar people, a people meant to show forth the praises of God in heaven. As the boys grow, we see that they are invested in different activities. Esau is a hunter, a man of the field, preferring to be outside chasing the venison. As such, he earned his father's affections by providing savoury venison which his father loved. In contrast, Jacob preferred to remain in and around their tents, called in the King James Version a plain man, or in the ESV a quiet man. He won the love of his mother, Rebecca. From their childhood, the boys are different, loved by different parents. From the life of Esau and Jacob, what do we know about their relationship? The first interaction we have is in verses 29 to 34, where Esau sells his birthright to Jacob for a pottage of lentils. We might call Esau desperate and unwise. We might call Jacob scheming and opportunistic. It was certainly not a way for the brothers to grow close. However, the real animosity is found in Genesis 27, following the incident where Jacob pretends to be Esau and gets the blessing of the firstborn. Esau is furious and fully intends to slay his brother Jacob. Jacob flees and 20 years later, he is still afraid of his brother Esau. When they meet in Genesis 33, Esau comes with 400 men and Jacob has his young and vulnerable family. Their interaction is far less hostile than 20 years earlier, but Jacob's fear of Esau is evident in the way that he seeks to find grace in the sight of my Lord. In Genesis 36, we see Esau has become a huge, wealthy nation. 
but the prophecy before the birth of the boys would stand. Though Esau became so great early on, Israel would become a much greater nation. Where do the scriptures speak of Esau living? Genesis 32 says that Esau is in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. Likewise, Esau returns to Seir in Genesis 33. This is the country in which Esau has chosen to live, and the country that would become synonymous with the descendants of Esau. In many ways, the relationship between the boys continued along the same lines as in Genesis. There was fear and hostility. The first time we find indication of Israel being mightier is in Exodus 15 verse 15. In part of the Song of Moses, they sing about how the dukes of Edom shall be amazed. The word amazed here is the idea of being fearful. Suddenly, Edom was afraid of Israel, rather than Jacob of Esau. What had occurred? It is the events of the plagues, and particularly the crossing of the Red Sea, with Pharaoh's army doomed to destruction in its mighty waters. Therefore, it is not through any act of Israel that the dukes of Edom would be afraid. No, it is through the display of the mighty acts of the God of Jacob, Yahweh himself. The dominance of Israel over the elder brother would always be fulfilled through the hand of God. We get a fulfilment of the comment in Exodus 15 verse 15 in Numbers chapter 20, where the children of Israel ask to pass through the country of Edom. Instead, they come out against Israel with swords and threaten them. They were afraid, they were fearful. It is as Exodus 15 had said, Edom was not about to turn their backs on Israel or even let them near their families. All because the mighty acts of God. What does Israel do? They go around the country of Edom. Although they were going to conquer the land of Canaan, God informed them very clearly that they were not going to take Edom. Deuteronomy chapter 2 says, And command the other people, saying, Ye are to pass through the coast of your brethren, the children of Esau, which dwell at Seir, and they shall be afraid of you. Take ye good heed unto yourselves, therefore. Meddle not with them, for I will not give you of their land. No, not so much as a footbreadth, because I have given Mount Seir unto Esau for a possession. God says specifically that Edom has their possession. Just like Ishmael benefited from his father's strong faith, so would Esau benefit from being part of the patriarchal line, even though the bulk of the promises would not come through him. The scriptures are incredibly clear that Israel were not to get any of the land of Seir. The same expression about the footbreadth comes up again in Acts 7 verse 5 regarding the land Abraham received in his lifetime. And he gave him none inheritance in it, no, not so much as to set his foot on. Though this particular place was given to Esau, we shall see later in the book of Obadiah how they were no longer worthy of this land. In despising the people of God, they despised God himself, the one who had given them their inheritance. Yet, in the giving of the law, God says that they were to treat Edom in a very specific way. Deuteronomy 23 verse 7 says, Thou shalt not abhor an Edomite, for he is thy brother. God is very clear on his expectations. Jacob and Esau were brothers. They should treat each other as brothers. It may seem obvious to us that, as brothers, Esau and Jacob should be loving and respect each other. How often, though, do we display characteristics that are unloving and disrespectful towards our brothers and sisters? 
Although not joined together by blood in the natural sense, we are siblings by blood in the spiritual sense, the blood of the Lord Jesus Christ. This blood is far more precious and pervading than any natural blood and should be thus treated. In Romans 14 and 1 Corinthians 8, in the context of matters of conscience and working alongside brothers and sisters, it uses the phrase, for whom Christ died. It puts our sinful thoughts and actions into perspective. Am I mistreating or speaking evil of a brother or sister whom Christ died for? If Christ so valued them, so should I. Mm-hmm.